really got to try on that left-hand side. What happened? <laughs> oh, but I've gone up and over, and Marty had over biscuit. It was a, uh, it was, a, it wasn't enough stability there for myself. But um, no, I was busting for a bit of meat this game. It didn't seem to work out. Hello, cheers, and welcome, welcome once again to the Scrum of the Earth podcast, the weekly show that brings you news, results, great interviews, and just so much more all about the world of rugby union. As always, I am David Lawrence. I'm an American rugby fan who follows the game wherever I can find it all over the globe. The leagues I follow are MLR right here in the US, the Gallagher Premiership and the URC in England and Europe, Super Rugby and the NPC in New Zealand, Australia, and the Pacific Islands, and when I'm able to catch it, the Scottish Super Six, and the Curry Cup in South Africa. On top of all that, I follow the European Champions and Challenge Cups, the Guinness Six Nations, the boringly named Rugby Championships, as well as the Summer and Autumn Test Series. Woo, that's a lot of rugby. Of course, all those leagues and all those competitions can take a back seat today, because for this episode, we're going to stay domestic. Today, for this special bonus podcast, I'm very pleased to welcome Ewan Brumwell, my Free Jack's latest import from New Zealand, who has recently accepted the mantle of strength and conditioning coach here in New England. As with all the interviews I'm lucky enough to do here on the Scrum of the Earth podcast, Ewan is an amazing guy with an even more amazing story, and I was very happy to sit down on the coldest day of the year to chat about his rugby journey. If you'd like to get in touch as well, just by all means, please do so. I always love to hear from you. I can be found on Twitter, at of Scrum. I'm on Insta, at the Scrum of the Earth podcast, and you can always just shoot me an email via the scrum of the earth at gmail.com. Get in touch whenever and however you like, as always. So, I'm here with my big fat mug of tea. I busted out my Highlanders jersey to represent Otago, and I am super excited to get into it. So, let's get started. Okay, my friends. As I said at the top during the introduction, I am very happy to wel welcome my latest guest for another fantastic bonus episode. So on December 27th of this past year, my beloved New England Free Jacks formally announced the hiring of Ewan Brumwell as their new strength and conditioning coach. Welcome, good sir, to the Scrum of the Earth podcast. And as always, I like to be sure I'm addressing my guests properly. So am I okay to just call you Ewan? Yes, that's perfect. And thank you very much for having me. Well, that's great. Thank you again for joining me. I trust that you are keeping yourself safe and warm on this, the coldest day of the new year so far. It's been no joke today. Yeah, it's a bit of a shock to the system, to be honest. Uh, uh, I thought it was cold enough when there was a bit of a snow dumping the other day, but then today I woke up and um, I'm trying to still get my head around the, the Fahrenheit, but I think it was about negative 15 Celsius potentially. So um, yep. that's how I sort of sort of work it out. But yeah, it's uh, it's that wind chill, definitely. Well, there's it's one of those awful New England secrets too that there's such a thing as too cold to snow. So if it's ever snowing, you can, you at all times you can think, well, at least it's not super cold. All oh, right. Well, that's uh, that's a new yeah secret, as you said. So I feel like I'm coming to local very slowly. <laughs> so just on a, a personal note, so how are things for you at the moment? You know, the world has gone kind of crazy again with the Omicron variant. Are you personally safe and well? Or what about your family and friends? Everybody holding the line so far? Uh, yeah. So obviously myself seem to be healthy so far. Uh, no, no hiccups there with traveling or anything from New Zealand uh family is all pretty much in scotland um and i think my yeah my dad unfortunately caught the variant i think so um but luckily mum's been been pretty safe even though she's a nurse in, in the front line but um but yeah it's uh i think they're all doing okay now though that's good well i i guess that's the good news about this new variant is it's the, the mildest i guess so i hope he's i hope he's all right with that 
yeah, yeah, I think he's, he's managed to get through safely enough. So, you know, I, I love to, to start with some background with my guests. I, I've, I've found so far that almost every single individual involved with Freejacks, you know, they have a unique story to tell, and I, I feel sure that you're no different. So to begin at the beginning, if I'm right, you're a native Californian, but you've also lived in Scotland, as you mentioned, and New Zealand. Am I right about that so far? Yes, you are. So if the internet can be believed, you were born in San Diego, to me, the most beautiful city in the U.S. So how long did that last? You know, what kinds of memories do you have from those days? I'm pretty sure you must have been fairly young when you left California, but that's just surmise on my part. Can you tell us about those early years? Yes. Yeah, so uh, I guess my parents met um, in San Diego. Uh, Mom came over from Scotland, dad down from Canada. And then along came me. Uh, we moved to Alaska, actually, after a year. Really? Uh, so lived there for about probably three years uh, before then moving to Scotland. So my sister was born in Alaska and then yeah, we, we flew over uh, to the motherland um, and then spent most of my sort of, I suppose, childhood there, you'd say, until I was about 18. And then I went to Australia, uh, spent a year playing rugby there uh, in Sydney for the Manly Marlins. And then um, post that, I went to, went to New Zealand. So probably what about nine years there so last sort of decade of my life's been in the australia new zealand wow so uh, i think you just kind of said so by the time you were a teenager you were already playing at a pretty high level and you eventually were representing caledonia and even the scottish national under 18s so can you tell us about sort of that part of your rugby journey that must have been incredible those must have been incredible days for you aberdeen yeah. i think aberdeen was it was that am i right yeah, so uh, I grew up in Aberdeen in Scotland, so it's the northeast, um, sort of the oil capital. Mm -hmm. uh, so dad had a job there, and that's sort of why we why we moved there. And then rugby was uh, his sort of passion, and then it became mine after that. So um, he did pretty well to to keep me involved at a young age, and then pushed through. So yeah, when I probably got to I guess early high school sort of age is when started to get more into the rep rugby and things like that so played represented uh my region which is caledonia so it's sort of the northern part of scotland uh played three years of, of rugby for them and then sort of in that time you, you then get picked up and uh play national sort of honors so I, I, unfortunately i didn't actually play any games for the for scotland um uh, but i was in several training camps for the for the under 18s um, so it was a pretty awesome time of, of my life and then uh, never got a crack to, you know, do under 20s or anything because I was too busy in uh, Australia than New Zealand. So I um, kind of stayed away. I was trying to sort of, you know, connect the dots just with what little I could find online. And I was thinking, OK, San Diego to Aberdeen, that sounds like that might be a Navy family or a military family of some kind. But I, but now I'm guessing I'm, I'm off on that. It, was it oil that, that moved your parents around? Uh, yeah, so that dad was originally a diesel mechanic and then uh yeah he, he managed to uh, i suppose get a job on an oil rig and, and that was sort of yeah what brought us to to aberdeen i suppose uh but mum wanted to go back to scotland and then that's sort of where yeah we ended up basing ourselves for however many years i was there so uh, maybe about what must have been 14 years i guess well so was he out on you know these treacherous rigs in the north sea or is this uh, or, or is he wearing a tie and sitting at a desk no, no, he was he was uh, on the front lines, mate. He was a uh, wellhead technician on the on the oil wow. rigs. So, yeah. Oh my gosh, what a treacherous life. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, 
he's been through been through a bit to be honest um on those on those yeah it'd be bloody cold on some of those regs i'd say yeah <laughs> so uh, well being a teenager growing up in aberdeen that must have been i think the word i came up with here is interesting right so um do you have some aberdeen stories uh, maybe maybe share what the city is like for our american listeners who may not be familiar with the different sort of large cities of scotland uh yeah um well i guess it sort of seems like a long time ago i was there now to be honest but uh uh very it's the granite city they call it so a lot of buildings are made from granite stone um so it it, it, as much as it can be quite nice sort of when the sun rarely does come out it's uh can be quite gray and miserable at times as well so uh they're not quite as cold as here and, and we don't get near as much snow anymore but uh yeah it's um it, but it's you know i enjoyed going up there and, and uh it's a it's a pretty cool city really if you if you get around and, and have a look and there's uh obviously donald trump put his golf course out there too so uh it's a bit of an american connection there for yeah sorry about that. Not, not much of a trump fan obviously <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sorry he he did that to you <laughs> Um, so I'm actually a big fan of Scottish rugby, so I have to assume you were watching, or at least it was on your radar. How about that away win at Twickenham last Six Nations? That, I imagine you must have been watching that. Oh, yeah, it's um, it's pretty incredible um, to beat England at home, but to beat them away in Twickenham is just unbelievable. It's uh, it's pretty uh, pretty cool to see and, and to watch, you know. Um, they, they've got all the money and all the glamour and that sort of stuff, but uh, we sort of we punch above our weight when it comes to playing England usually. Mm-hmm. That, that was one of my all-time favorite matches for sure. That was unbelievable. Yeah. So do you still follow Scotland at all? Or is that too sort of too far in the past for you to really, you know, keep it on your radar? Oh, I mean, I, I do obviously like to, to keep up and try and watch them play as much as I can. But um, I suppose being in New Zealand with the time difference and a few things that sometimes having to get up in the middle of the night to, to watch a game. So I've, I've done it a couple of times when they play England, especially, because as you just said, it's pretty cool to watch it when they do win. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't, don't tend to watch too many games, but I'll, I'll try and uh, record or watch highlights or do whatever to keep in touch. Yeah, the uh, I'm a super rugby fan, and uh, one of my favorite things about it is always, that, you know, the, the Friday night game that happens in New Zealand is already ready for replay by the time I get to work on a Friday morning, which is always just a nice little extra treat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of Friday morning rugby. How good. Oh, it's beautiful. Uh, so you already mentioned, so after Scotland, it was then Australia for about a year, you said, and then on to New Zealand. And if I'm right, you would settle at the, the southern tip of the South Island. Is that right? And this might be a dumb question, but do I have it right that Otago is the region while Dunedin is the major city in the region? Uh, and was it in fact Dunedin where you sort of landed? Yeah, so my first year in New Zealand was actually in Hawke's Bay, so Napier. Oh, okay. Is the, so Hawke's Bay is, yeah, the province, and, and Napier being the being the city. Uh, pretty pretty small um, place, Napier, compared to, well, even Dunedin's not the biggest, but it's it's certainly a bit bigger than big, bigger than Napier. Um, yeah, the weather's definitely not as good in Dunedin, though. Napier's got some of the best weather in the country, I'd say. Oh, is that right? And uh, yeah. Hawke's Bay, a good rugby team, too, obviously. Yep, yep, they're they've been pretty strong um, in recent years, especially. So uh, that was just where my uncle was actually living. Um, so I, so I stayed with him to begin with and, and started studying there, um, sort of at university type level. Um, uh, that's where I sort of started my degree, and then decided to transfer to Otago in my second year just to see some more of the country and 
uh, you know, obviously being being new to it, it was cool to sort of see more of the South Island as well. And then I just ended up loving it there and, and stayed a bit longer. So I think another must have been eight years down in Dunedin. So the, the first rugby team of any league I started following anywhere was the Highlanders. And I'm, I'm pretty sure you've had the opportunity to work with that organization in some capacity. And um, so for, for the listeners, like about half my listeners are here in the US. And so a lot of us are really new. Um, so of course the Highlanders are a team that got oh so close to winning the Super Rugby title uh, before getting predictably smashed by the Crusaders, the Leinster of the Southern Hemisphere. Uh, but you'll also recall my talking a lot about Otago during the MPC season and you and you've also worked with them as well. Is that right? Yeah. So I uh, had a bit of a uh, short stint with the Highlanders. Uh, I, I started, a, I suppose I did a, a season long internship uh, in 2016 would have been, and then uh, got asked to, to stay on for, for another season um, sort of assist with the, the strength and conditioning program there Um just more so the, the gym-based things. So I didn't do as much on the field, but with the with the gym side of things, I was given a bit of a hand. Uh, but my, my main role was sort of with, with the Tago, and that was sort of my internship started there in 2014, so a couple of years before that. Um, so I did sort of 18 months uh, just helping out and doing what I could to, to get involved. And after that, I sort of got a job with the uh, – with the academy so i was leading the academy program the sc stuff there wow uh and then yeah just kind of went from one thing to the next i just got more hours more more work to do uh went so sort of from like a you know a, a very small part-time role to all of a sudden a full-time role and then eventually got to lead the program and lead the npc team so that was pretty cool wow that's inf- that's really great so I, I'm obviously a rugby junkie. So I followed the NPC avidly this year. It was it was great. You know, you obviously know our own Bowden Walker was part of the winning side this year. Can you can you talk about him a bit and maybe some of the things he brings to the table for the Free Jacks? Um, it, it's my guess that the championship experience he just got is going to go a long way to helping our own club this year. Do you think that's true? Yeah, for sure. He's a, he's a quality player. Um, brings brings a bit of leadership uh, as well off the field. Um, as well as during, you know, during trainings and um, games, you know, steers the ship sort of thing. Uh, it's got, you know, great skill set, as I'm sure a lot of the Free Jacks fans and, and people watching the MLR have seen already. And and those watching the NPC would have would have saw him in action as well. So, yeah, it'll be, it'll be cool to sort of pick his brain a bit more around sort of some of the things they did at Waikato that that really, um, I suppose, led them to the to winning the championship. Well, the premiership, uh, actually, right. as they call it. So. Yeah, we've got, we've got those two divisions in the NPC, so uh, Waikato being in the Premiership. And um, with the Tago, we were in we were in the Championship, that second division, so. It was awesome. And that's actually one of the things I love about the NPC. And it's funny because there are, you know, if you look if you look at the Gallagher Premiership in England, there's, of course, they're the Prem, but they've also got the Championship League underneath them. But, but that league is invisible, whereas the sort of, the champions versus the challenge divisions in the NPC are, are right there along each other. And they even play each other in sort of inter-squad matches. I, I, I think that makes the whole thing so much more interesting a competition. Do you think that's cool? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's similar to here in the MLR where we it just geographically, I suppose it's a little bit different. So we've got the East and the West conferences. Uh, it's, it's sort of a similar thing um, in the NPC to a certain extent, but there's a chance for, promotion relegation so right. um so obviously if you win the championship final which we we managed to make with the tago but 
came oh, oh so close, but um, just one game short there. Uh, so we're still, still in the championship, but would have had the chance to get promoted potentially. So, uh, well, well, actually, with COVID things, uh, I think they they scrapped the promotion relegation. Uh, I was going to say uh, they actually scrapped that this year, though. So I, I guess yeah. it, it would have been a, a pretty tough year to to win that and then not get the rewards. I guess. Yeah. Well, I suppose in in a normal year, uh, whenever a normal year might come around again, uh, they'll be be back to the promotion relegation stuff. So, but yeah, we uh, we had a good squad and, and things went well. But uh, it's it's certainly a pretty cool aspect. You know, you get to to play teams in, in the top division, and and you know, if you can beat one of those top teams, it's it's pretty cool. Like we have a close rivalry with uh, with Canterbury, well, the Tiger do so. Uh, those games are always massive, and, and we ended up beating them again this season. So it was the first time in a long time that we beat them two years in a row. So it was pretty cool. Well, that, that's right. It, it, it's funny because on paper you think, okay, well, these chances for the the lower tier teams to go and play the upper tier teams, it's just it's just going to be a drubbing every time. But that's you know every now and then that happens, but not frequently. I found I feel like these teams are are all fighting right there with each other. Yeah, for sure. I think it's just. The consistency that's maybe the difference between some of the teams you know you, you've sure. got a you know you play 10 games uh i think before the finals so you've, you've got to be pretty consistent over those 10 games you might be able to get the odd win here and there but if you if you haven't stacked up the points you're you're obviously not going to be there at the end of the day so yeah well and the the added aspect that element of the ren furley shield is something that just absolutely fascinated me from the beginning there there's just can you think of any possible equivalent in American sports at all? Because I certainly cannot. Yeah, I, I don't know the American sports well enough, uh, to be fair. But um, yeah, definitely, it, it's a pretty cool cool thing that I, I haven't seen anywhere else in rugby, um, to be honest. Uh, nothing of that caliber anyway. So we were quite lucky that, I suppose, during my time at Otago, we, we won it a couple of times. Um, so 20... 18 and 2019 so we won it sort of had a 2018 season um over the summer into 2019 and then sort of had it and won it back and, and sort of oh sorry it might be in 2020 that we won it again but uh yeah had it a couple times anyway so you've actually seen it you've had your hands on the actual thing yeah yeah it's, wow. uh, it's pretty pretty cool to see yeah and, and that first, is very you know, cool yeah, it's one of those things that you, you kind of talk about and you think, yeah, yeah, it's you know a special thing. But then when you actually see it and you kind of see all the names that are on there and you know the teams that won it in the past and who's won it how many times and blah blah blah, it's, it's yeah, it's pretty cool. Well, I learned a little of the the history about it, and I was it really uh, blew me away that the sort of the image, the main image on it was actually supposed to be a, a cricket pitch, and they sort of added the goalpost later to turn it into a, a rugby trophy. I wonder if you were able to look at it that closely and see those artifacts. Oh, I didn't actually notice that, to be honest. Uh, maybe if I get a chance to look at it again one day, I'll, I'll, I'll look a bit closer. <laughs> so I do have to ask, are you excited for the newest iteration of Super Rugby? I, I definitely am. Do you have any thoughts about the Fijian Drua and the Moana Pacifica joining the competition? Yeah, I think it's pretty cool um, that they've managed to to get an, well, you know, another couple of teams in there, especially with with all the issues with COVID. Uh, it's it's pretty cool to to hopefully get a few more games in. You know, with the South Africans not being involved anymore, um, but it's definitely given uh, a few boys a chance to to put their hand up in, in New Zealand. So it's a, essentially a, a sixth New Zealand uh, Super Rugby team um, with the Moana Pacifica. 
So we, we had a few boys from a tiger that have sort of put their hands up and, and gone up there and, and some other guys that we know that have moved from, you know, different super teams and, and things like that. So it's, uh, yeah, it's a pretty cool, um, pretty cool addition, I'd say. So when I first heard about that expansion too, I, I heard uh, a couple of different people with a sort of a, a cynical take saying, yeah, yeah, this sounds great, but really this is just kind of a, a big player grab on the on the part of New Zealand. They want this Samoan team or, or the, uh, the Moana Pacifica to be housed in New Zealand um, for, it just so happens the exact amount of time it will take for these players to become qualified for New Zealand if somebody wanted to pick them for the All Blacks. Um, I, the people I've asked about it since then have said, well, I, I don't think so. Do you have any take on that? Do you, do you think it was a cynical move or is it just to get more competition and more players? Uh, well, I don't know enough about it, but I've, I've heard some things around, you know, that you're supposed to be eligible for the for the Island Nations if, if you play uh, for Moana Pacifica. I think they're allowed X amount of, you know, non-Pacific um, Island players. So if you're playing for Moana Pacifica, you should be eligible to be picked for Tonga, Samoa, Fiji. So uh, it's it, it'll be interesting how that pans out. Um, that that's sort of what they've said on paper from a players' association point of view. Um, mm. So, and, and I hope it sort of works that way. That you know those those nations get some some higher caliber players playing for them, um, and then you know come the World Cup or or test matches that they play in the future, they'll have some stronger teams hopefully. Well, and I think from the little I've heard from players who like like you say they're putting their hands up saying yes, I would want to be part of this team or this team. Um, I think the draw to finally be able to play at that level for your home country instead of, you know, in Europe or in somewhere else, uh, I feel like that's going to draw a lot of high quality talent back there. I'm really looking forward to how those teams pan out. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully uh, it's going to be another exciting year of super rugby. So despite the addition of these two new teams and despite the emergence of the blues last year, is this still the Crusaders competition to lose or is that dynasty officially at an end? Well, I would like to see the Highlanders uh, get up, obviously, being there for such a long time. But, yep. uh, uh, yeah, I mean... We got, we got a sniff, just a, very very close, if it wasn't for those yeah, Crusaders. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, no, I, I think, uh, I mean, the Crusaders are a quality team. They're, they're going to be hard to beat. Um, and but you know you know as as we've as you well as you said there just with the Blues coming through they they potentially could be a, a pretty hard team to beat again. Um, I don't know it's it's hard to say to be honest, but uh, let's let's hope there's a different winner anyway. Put it that way. Yeah, it's always nice to have some variety, I guess. Um, yeah. especially, especially if it ends up being the Highlanders. Um, yeah, exactly. So as somebody who knows the NPC, if I'm going to give you a magic wand and you have the ability to just reach into that competition and just go bloop, and just pluck out one player from the NPC and transplant that person into our New England Free Jacks, who is it going to be? Uh, um, it can be anywhere in the NPC. I had three suggestions, that, uh, people I would love to see here. I, I, I loved watching Josh Iwane and uh, Potty Potty Parkinson, of course I love, and Tom Robinson has just been so good too. Uh, who's, who's your magic man that you would pick? Oh, geez, you put me on the spot here a little bit. Uh... <laughs> I'll obviously have to go with uh, with an Otago player uh, mm. because you know I've been there for a long time and, and stay loyal to them. But uh, uh, I reckon um, CEO Tomkinson, who plays in the midfield for us, uh, sure, he's, he's a bit of a bit of a beast to be honest. And yeah, uh, he's got a great skill set, uh, puts on some big hits, and 
he'd probably be a pretty good addition for us, to be honest, in the, in the midfield at, at the Free Jacks. Um, but yeah, I'd have to, yeah, have to probably say him. Just stay stay loyal to my uh, well, actually, teammate as well. I played played club rugby alongside him as well in the midfield, so it was pretty cool. Oh, for sure. What a great pick. So, uh, and speaking of our players, so I do see that back in May of last year, the Free Jacks actually signed you to a contract as a player. I think the press release described you as a utility back. So I know I must have seen you out on the pitch at some point, but you know how it is looking for anything about rugby in the United States. It's impossible to find and match day stats and player details impossible. So I could find nothing. Can you tell us something about how that went? Yeah. Um, Cause uh, yeah, Ryan Martin's actually a really good friend of mine uh, okay. just through, through the Otago connection, I suppose. Uh, so, so when he found out I had an American passport, he was pretty keen to, to get me over uh, playing in the MLR, obviously being the coach last year. So uh, got a, you know, shout out to him, really. He, he probably uh, threw me a bone there a little bit. Uh, but no, I mean, I, I really enjoyed it. It was an awesome experience for me, uh, both both as a player and, and even for, for me as, as, as an s coach, it was quite, quite awesome to be on the other side of it for once and then sort of, I suppose, feel what the players go through on a week-to-week mm. basis. So I, I, I think I was there for, you know, five weeks maybe because uh, obviously I did have a job to go back to in New Zealand. So right. I, I, managed to, I was allowed to take a bit of a break um, from that and, and go and play for a bit and uh, try that experience. So, but I mean, I, yeah, I loved it. It was the highest level of rugby I've played in terms of, you know, it's a professional setup. It's a professional week. Uh, just nothing but rugby to focus on. Uh, so it was, yeah, it was cool. Uh, and now, now coming back as as the strength and conditioning coach, it's pretty cool to, I suppose, connect with these boys again um, in, in a different situation. You know, being on the other side of the white line. But so, uh, so how has that trans- transition been for you anyway, professionally, from being player to guy who's helping the players? Yeah, I think it's been good um, so far. I mean, it's only I've been here sort of a week uh, in this new role, but so far it's been going good. I, I don't think the players have too much uh, bad to say about me yet. Anyway, maybe maybe after a couple more weeks of preseason, they might might be a bit different. But uh, we've we've been doing a little bit of fitness testing things this week, so usually it's not not the worst. It's more when they have to do the hard work to improve the fitness test. That's where it gets uh, gets tough work, but. Um, no, it's, it's been pretty good transition so far. So I think it it's three weeks from Saturday that the whole thing is going to kick off. How are you feeling about our team and, and the season that's coming up? Yeah, we, uh, the boys will come in uh, in relatively good shape for, for this time of the year, off-season, things like that. So from uh, – uh, but I guess as a, as a strength and conditioning coach, you're probably never 100% happy with some of the numbers. But, yeah, you always want to see improvements. But, uh, no, it's been, been pretty good. So – we're gonna we're gonna hit the ground running. Uh, we've got uh, DC away for for a preseason, and then yep. the week after we'll be we'll be Nola away. I think so first first fixture. So uh, it's going to be pretty pretty good uh, game to start with, since they I think they beat us sort of to to deny us a, a playoff spot. I think last year. So yeah, it was our a bit of revenge there. It was our only home loss too. That's uh, that one's marked on my calendar for sure. Yeah. So uh, yeah, we'll go try and get a bit of revenge there, um, which I think the boys will be be ready for. And now we've got a good squad, so we're looking good. 
So as the SNC coach, the, uh, the benchmarks that you're looking to hit are probably a lot different than those of, say, Coach Matthew or of, you know, just people like myself, just fans on the outside. So what kind of goals have you set for yourself and for the team this year? Yeah, I suppose uh, I'd, I'd probably do try and link it as much as I can with with the coaches, the skill coaches, you know. So what's what Scott's wanting is is sort of what I need to sort of, uh, I guess, make happen as well. So his game plan, he wants wants to play with speed and those sorts of things. So means I need to ensure the boys are, are getting enough uh, fitness, you know, conditioning side of stuff in so that they, they can play that style of a game. Whereas if we wanted to play a big uh, rock and run type uh, game where it's just constantly carrying the ball and big collisions, then we probably need to give them a bit of extra time in the tin shed. But um, yeah, so sort of try and link it as much with him to, to get our game plan the way we want it. Is your vision of the team based on, you know, is it is it a set of individuals or is it the team? Are you thinking, okay, we all need to be quicker or we all need to be, I don't know, bigger or stronger, or is it like, okay, you know, the Eagle needs this this year and Bowden is going to need this this year. Is it, you know, what's your approach in that way? Yeah, so to a certain extent, we have to take individuals and, and you know, get them to work on both their strengths and weaknesses because their strengths are what makes them the rugby player they are. So we, we don't want to just keep focusing on weaknesses and, and take away from their strengths. Uh, but at the same time, you know, we, we've got a sort of, targets the head as a team um you know whether whether it become uh, positional specific things or we need to you know train a certain way as a group so uh you know if our, our training times are are shorter longer those sorts of things like as a strength and condition coach we really have to sort of manipulate the training load as much as possible to make sure the team is, is fresh for games come the weekend uh preseason a little bit different we can kind of put a bit more heat on them and, and make them suffer a little bit. But um, <laughs> when it comes to the in-season, uh, we obviously don't want to be uh, lethargic come the weekend. So let me ask you, what is your favorite thing about strength and conditioning? So uh, if I'm right, you got a, yourself a degree from Otago Polytech. Is is it the science of strength that attracts you most? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess it's, uh, not, I mean, not even specific to strength and conditioning coaching, but um just coaching in general, like it's, it's getting people uh, to do things and achieve things that they probably didn't think they could do or, um, or just, you know, behavioral change, you know, it's, 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 it's culture. It's, it's all that sort of stuff that goes with it. That isn't necessarily science. It's kind of the art of coaching as well. Um, but I do, but I do enjoy uh, watching guys, you know, go through sessions that, you know, I've, I've designed in conjunction either with, with other people that might be helping me or um, I've learned from in the past uh, and, and, and trying to create the best sessions we can to create a chase an outcome, I suppose, um, which is to, you know, get stronger, to get faster, to get fitter, whatever it might be. Uh, it's, it's pretty rewarding when you, when you see someone sort of potentially change their training habits um, from being a amateur to a professional and then, and then achieving a goal they want to, they want to achieve i'm hoping this isn't a dumb question but it, can you conceive of a team where let's say you you got the next job at, at some club and you walked in is there 
can you envision a club where you get there and you say, yep, these guys are strong enough. I have other stuff to work on, but weightlifting is not one of them. Like, it, it, can everyone always get stronger? Is that a stupid question? Uh, probably it's not. It's definitely not a dumb question. It's, you know, people can always probably get stronger and, and you'll, you'll maybe get to a certain age where it's, it's risk versus reward. So, you know, if we've got a, an older athlete that's um, played 10 plus years of professional rugby and their body's getting a beat, bit beat up, it's you don't want to flog a dead horse sort of thing. So um, it's just making sure that you get them ready uh, for the for the weekend. So, um, you know, if, the, if they're strong enough, then let's just try and maintain that that level and and, and control their training load that they're, they're not getting more injuries um, than they've previously had, I suppose. So, you know, as, as a non-athlete, even I am aware of the remarkable changes and advances that have been made in this area over the last decade, maybe 15 years. Um, is it fair to say that we're collectively at a whole new level of understanding about how top performing athletes and just top performing humans work? Oh, yeah, for sure. There's, uh, there's a hell of a lot of uh, new technology out there, um, even in the last sort of decade I, I guess in, in, within rugby um so the, the introduction of things like gps monitoring and uh velocity-based training and do you do heart rate do you do heart rate monitors throughout training too uh we, yeah you can uh, we don't personally use them but um but yeah i, I think there's you know all these sorts of things technology-wise that you can use to to monitor players these days or athletes in general it could be not just even in rugby you know other sports are doing it too so uh it, it's it's pretty cool to see and then obviously research as well lots of uh, research getting done about you know sets and reps what's best for getting stronger what's best for conditioning um on the aerobic side of things and how do we produce more power and uh, all the all these things sort of go on and on and on but it's it's uh, it's always one of those things that keeps evolving and, and that's another reason, you know, I enjoy it. It's, it's never, you're never going to be at the top of your game forever. You, you've got to keep adapting and evolving mm. um, to become better and better. So yeah, it's pretty exciting. So with all these different advances, do you think it's possible that we're sort of approaching the limits of our understanding or have we just, just scratched the surface? Uh, yeah, it's pretty, I suppose it's a pretty hard one to, to say, but I, I would say we're, to be honest, probably scratching the surface in terms of what we really could find out about the human body. Because, um, you know, the, I'll, I'll be honest, there are times at training where it's kind of like you, you do a little bit of guesswork and say, okay, I think we'll try this and, and see what happens. And, um, but obviously you want to make informed decisions as much as possible. So that's sort of what we look to do. But occasionally we, you know, you want to, to test the boundaries. You want to test limits. Um, and, and even just you might have a hunch on something and say right I think this is going to work so let's try it and if all the coaches are in agreement that you know we're, we're willing to try things outside the box then yeah that's pretty cool so as a native New Englander and a fan of the Patriots I've of course heard a ton about Tom Brady over the late years and his approach to sort of nurturing his body and his overall well-being he's got this whole TB12 method and all this I guess brand marketed stuff uh or copyrighted stuff. So if you read anything about the guy, it'll only be about three or four sentences before you encounter the word pliability. Is this, you know, is this the new frontier of physical fitness? How often does that term come up in your own work? Yeah. So pliability, not, not something I'm really familiar with, I suppose, but from sort of, I guess what I'm taking from that is being able to, 
sort of be robust, I suppose. So um, being being able to to take hits and, and bounce back and, and you know have flexibility and, and strength and whatever it might be to, to stay on the field and, and train. So and that that's sort of what I'm trying to push at Free Jacks as well. It's about you know strength and conditioning is, is one aspect of of becoming a better rugby player. So. I, I'm trying to get guys stronger or, or fitter so that they can they can train more and they can play longer minutes and they can be better rugby players uh, versus just getting strong for the sake of being able to tell people you lift X amount of weight or mm. you can run your Bronco in this amount of time or you're this fast. You know, it's it's all it's all geared towards being a better athlete on the rugby field. So um, yeah, so I guess that's sort of a real similar thing. Uh, to sort of my approach around just being able to be uh, to train more often, I suppose. Is it fair to say that your field, the whole sort of overall field of strength and conditioning, is has it become sort of more holistic? Is it more about a, a person's overall sort of complete sense of health rather than just like you said, just how much can you bench or how fast can you do this? Yeah, I, I think that's sort of where sort of the involve the involvement of. Uh, you know, strength and conditioning, it, it's, it's about becoming better athletes holistically. So you can, you know, be better on the field. I suppose it's, it's, it's not just about the numbers on a piece of paper to, to hit targets or do whatever. Um, but you know, some of these things are in research have been shown that, you know, if you're, if you're a bit, if you're stronger and you're, you're fitter, then you're going to have less injuries. And that's ultimately what, you know, we need is, is less injury so they can play on the field and we have our best 23 named every week for the for the free jacks or for whoever it is. Because um, if you don't have your best players out there, you're not as likely to win, are you? So, so it's pretty important. Is it a fact that sort of immunity to injury is something that you can, uh, obviously a lot of it is just chance, but can you actively do do things to make yourself less injury prone or is it just a like, well, you know, that guy gets injuries and I don't. Yeah, it's, it's a tough one. Uh, some people like to think there's, there's injury prediction sort of models out there. Um, I'm not, I'm a bit skeptical on that stuff, but hmm. uh, obviously there, there's informed decisions, as I mentioned before, around how much training do we make them do in a week? Uh, you know, how much volume in the gym are we going to give them? How much uh, recovery time do we need? You know, everything sort of ties in together uh, around making sure that they're not overworked or even underworked. Because if they're underworked, they're also not going to be prep- prepped mm. for, for the demands of the game. So trying to find that sort of optimal zone um, to get them to get them ready, which is, is definitely where the, as I mentioned before, the GPS side of things come into it. So how much, how much running are we doing each week if it keeps changing? Uh, that's when things can go wrong, but uh, it's it's definitely sort of a, a pretty big topic, I suppose, at the moment in strength and conditioning. So, if you had gotten this exact same job ten years ago, what do you think would be the biggest differences between what you did then versus what you're doing right now? Would you say it's an entirely different approach, or are the core things largely the same? Uh, yeah, I think um, you know, for me, for me, starting out, obviously. Uh, being maybe a bit naive of, of how hard potentially we could push players. Uh, that was probably one thing I've learned over the years is huh. um, we can definitely we can definitely push them harder than we think, I, I would say. Huh. Uh, but, uh, you know, that, that's probably just my um, understanding of, of strength and conditioning from, you know, 
I guess, as an intern back in 2014. I don't know how old were they then, 22, 21, something like that. You know, it was uh, just me growing up as, as a as a person too and, and learning more. It's it, it was pretty cool to see that, you know, how much some of these athletes actually do. Uh, I, I think it would be, you know, pretty cool to, to show the, you know, the public out there more and more around how much these guys actually do or, or get them to, to almost do similar sessions to see how hard things are, you know? Mm. Well, so, okay. And again, Ewan, just thank you so much for spending time with us here today. Uh, let me give you three quick little last tidbits. Um, okay. Thing one, what are you most looking forward to this season, either in your, you know, in your position as a professional or maybe just as a fan or a member of this organization? Uh, yeah, I'm just, uh, I suppose, looking forward to seeing how, how this year compares to last year to a certain extent. Like it's, uh, I think things have grown leaps and bounds. Um, sort of people in the background have done a lot of work to, to get things going. So uh, we're going to have, a, a, I would say, a, a stronger team this year and it'll be exciting to see how far we can go in the competition. So thing two, and I've asked all the guests that I've had so far who are involved with coaching in any way. So can you think of a moment in your own life where a coach or maybe just a mentor, maybe even just a teammate, somebody really just sort of said something or did something that created a spark for you, something that he or she said, or maybe something you witnessed as a teammate, something you heard about that was just a real sort of aha moment for you that sort of might have started you down the path that you find yourself on today? Uh, yeah, it's uh, put me on the spot, mate. It's uh, sorry, <laughs> no, you're all right, you're all right. It's uh, I'm, I'm never good with these things. Um, no, I, I guess, uh, you know, sort of in the, the strength and conditioning sphere, I suppose it was when I first first got the job with the Tago to, to lead the NPC team. Um, I was sort of, uh, I suppose a bit nervous, you know, it's his first time going in and leading one of those jobs and, and it's just you know but a lot of the players uh you know just little things you hear from them and coaches whatever it's, it's probably more of a a, uh, a general feel that that once people started sort of saying that they were excited for for me to take over it was, it was pretty cool um sort of feeling to to hear and then it was like right i had a bit of a bit more confidence and a bit more get up and go i guess uh so and, and now that I've had that, I'm, I'm coming in here and I'm, I'm feeling like, yeah, I, I am the man for the job now. So looking forward to getting involved. Well, maybe a, a better way to put it would be, so is I'm guessing that you count your time at Otago as a success. Is there anything that you maybe either, you know, you, you feel like you did it wrong or maybe something you just didn't do that you're excited to bring here that is something you could sort of correct in that way? Or did you feel like you did everything right? Uh, no, I definitely <laughs> didn't do everything right, but uh, you know, I, I I don't know. I'm I'm always pretty, uh, uh, I suppose, hard on myself. Like I, I know I've got a lot to work on still, and, and I'm pretty young, really, in terms of uh, my coaching career. So uh, just looking looking forward to to try and be a little bit better with the, as I mentioned before, the art of coaching. So. Um, I've always been quite the science-y sort of person, the sets and the reps and whatever, and I used to try and get that perfect. But now I'm trying to create habits and create a culture that's that people want to come and play for the Free Jacks or, or want to, you know, even with the group we've got, they want to come to the gym and work out and be part of it, you know. So that that's sort of where I'm where I'm going at the moment.
Do you feel like you've got a lot of buy-in from the players? Have they re- received you well? And are they all sort of on board immediately? Yeah, so far, I think so. Um, but yeah, I suppose time will tell if uh, <laughs> try and keep that going. <laughs> yeah, no, no mutinies yet, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Early so, day. so last thing, thing three. And again, you might tell me I'm putting you on the spot. Uh, so give me one player who has really surprised you. I know it's only been a week and a half or so, but really surprised you with his approach to strength and conditioning to what you're doing in the gym. Now, and to be fair, I'm sure there's a lot of them. So if any of those guys are listening, don't take this as exclusionary. This isn't, the point isn't to say this guy and not those guys, but just knee-jerk reaction. Who sort of turned your head, made you say, wow, I didn't expect that. Uh, Well, uh, Spencer Kruger, he actually had a, was the heaviest, lifter today um on the on the on the deadlift that we did so it was a lower body strength test um he was he was pretty impressive to be honest uh obviously had a few other few other pretty good guys jack reeves is is looking pretty sharp uh in the gym especially and then uh obviously on the training field as well he's sort of transferring that over but uh and uh, one more i suppose larue milan he uh, mm. was pretty uh pretty awesome in the in the Bronco test, he was our he's our fastest on that. So, yeah, looking forward to seeing how he how he goes in, in the games. I've heard about those Bronco tests. I I think it was uh, Bowden Barrett when he arrived at the Blues. He supposedly blew everyone's doors off by, by destroying their Bronco times. Is that right? Did you, did you hear anything about that? Yeah, yeah. He's uh, I think it was four minutes and twelve seconds, which is uh, <laughs> ridiculously fast. Uh, <laughs> So yeah, no nobody close to that um, this time around with the free jacks, but that's uh, that's okay. <laughs> I think that's okay. Yeah. So so, okay. so is there something real about farm strength that seems like that's actually a thing? Yeah, definitely uh, something I I learned a little bit while I was in New Zealand. I suppose there's those guys that yeah don't necessarily like lifting uh, weights in the gym, but they're they're naturally strong beasts when they actually do so um it's it's quite strange and then you go on the field and and some of them don't don't lift well in the gym still but are just animals on the field so uh, it'll be interesting uh, the the rumor has it that peter steph de toy is the king of that he just doesn't want to go near a weight but it doesn't matter a lick once he's out on the field yeah i, would, I wouldn't be surprised i wouldn't be surprised so you and Brumwell, top line gentlemen, an immensely talented addition to our lovely Free Jacks organization. Thank you again so much for taking the time out of your freezing day to chat. It's just been fantastic. Um, do you have anything that I missed, something you wanted to cover, anything you want to a plug or say, uh, you know, in your own life or for the Free Jacks or anything else before I let you go? No, no, I'm, I'm happy, Matt. I just, uh, yeah, appreciate you having me on and, and having a, a chance to chat with you. And uh, yeah, welcome in here after a week. So yeah. Uh, yeah, just excited to get going. Well, I really appreciate the time. I'm sure my listeners do as well. My friend, thank you again. Good luck with the about three weeks we've got left before the season kicks off. And I can't wait to see you down at Fort Quincy come March. Awesome. We'll see you then. Great. Cheers and catch you soon, my friend. Cheers. Well, my friends, that does it for this bonus pod. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have. If you would like to get in touch, 
You can use Twitter. I'm at of Scrum. You can find me at the Scrum of the Earth podcast on Instagram. And you can always just email the Scrum of the Earth at gmail.com. I always love to hear from you. Also, if you could bring yourself to leave me a, a nice review somewhere, wherever you get your podcasts, that would just please me to no end and would really help to grow the pod. If you like what we're doing here, there are a couple of ways you can show your support listed in the show notes for this episode. So I hope you enjoyed this latest interview, and please check out the whole list of interviews available in my feed. I'm sure you'll enjoy them. There is a large and diverse list of guests. It's been awesome. So, as always, thank you again for coming along to all of you across the globe. Cheers. Talk to you soon, and be well. We are the Otago Highlanders, we're here to play the game. From Auckland to Australia, there's no one quite the same. As we the Otago Highlanders, rugby is our game. Welcome to the house of pain. Otago Highlanders, well that's our name. Otago Highlanders. Here to play the game, Otago Highlanders, winning is our aim, welcome to the house of fame. Up in Central too For all the loyal Scarfies Highlanders Know what to do We play with passion Pride in our game Welcome to the house of today.